Section 38 of The Morals, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. The Morals, Volume 2 by Plutarch. Translated by several hands. Corrected and revised by William W. Goodwin. Conjugal Precepts, Part 2. 28. Plato, observing the morose and sour humor of Xenocrates, otherwise a person of great virtue and worth, admonished him to sacrifice to the graces. In like manner, I am of opinion that it behooves a woman of moderation to crave the assistance of the graces in her behavior towards her husband, thereby, according to the saying of Metrodorus, to render their society mutually harmonious to each other, and to preserve her from being waspishly proud, out of a conceit of her fidelity and virtue. For it becomes not a frugal woman to be neglectful of decent neatness, nor one who has great respect to her husband to refrain complacency in her conversation, as the over-rigid humor of a wife renders her honesty irksome, so sluttery begets a hatred of her sparing and pinching housewifery. 29. She who is afraid to laugh or to appear merry and gay before her husband, for fear of waking his jealousy, may be so said to resemble one that forbears to anoint herself at all, lest she should be thought to use unnecessary or harlotry perfumes, or that neglects to wash her face to avoid the suspicion of painting. Thus we find that poets and orators, who desire to shun the tiring tediousness of a low, vulgar, and drowsy style, ingeniously labor to detain and move both their readers and their auditors by the quaintness of their invention, grandeur of the subject, and lively representations of the humors and conditions which they bring upon the stage, from whence a discreet mistress of a family may likewise learn to avoid all manner of over-nice curiosity and squeamish affectation all excess of jollity savoring of the courtesan, and everything tending to profuse pomp. But she will rather employ all her wit and art in exhibiting to her husband all the graces of life and character, accustoming him to honesty and decency joined with pleasure and delight. Nevertheless, if there be any woman so severe and reserved by nature that no means can be found to make her blithe and sportive, it behooves her husband to give way to her temper, and as Phocion answered Antipater, who commanded him to do an ill thing that misbecame his quality, I cannot be thy friend, and flatter thee at one and the same time. In like manner ought a man to rest satisfied with the virtues of a chaste wife, though her serious disposition will not permit her to act the airy part of a mistress." 30. The Egyptian women were anciently never wont to wear shoes, to the end they might accustom themselves to stay at home. But altogether different is the humor of our women, for they, unless allowed their jewels, their bracelets and necklaces, their gaudy vestments, gowns and petticoats, all bespangled with gold and their embroidered buskins, will never stir abroad. 31. Theano, as she was dressing herself one morning in her chamber, by chance discovered some part of her naked arm. 
upon which one of the company crying out oh what a lovely arm is there tis very true said she but yet not common thus ought a chaste and virtuous woman not only to keep her naked arms from open view but to lock up her very words and set a guard upon her lips especially in the company of strangers since there is nothing which sooner discovers the qualities and conditions of a woman than her discourse thirty two phidias made the statue of venus at ellis with one foot upon the shell of a tortoise to signify two great duties of a virtuous woman which are to keep at home and be silent for she is only to speak to her husband or by her husband nor is she to take amiss the uttering her mind in that manner through another more proper organ thirty three princes and kings honour themselves in giving honour to philosophers and learned men on the other side great personages admired and courted by philosophers are no way honoured by their flatteries which are rather a prejudice and stain to the reputation of those that use them thus it is with women who in honouring and submitting to their husbands win for themselves honour and respect but when they strive to get the mastery they become a greater reproach to themselves than to those that are so ignominiously henpecked but then again it behooves a husband to control his wife not as a master does his vassal but as the soul governs the body with the gentle hand of mutual friendship and reciprocal affection for as the soul commands the body without being subject to its pleasures and inordinate desires in like manner should a man so exercise his authority over his wife as to soften it with complaisance and kind requital of her loving submission thirty four philosophers assert that of bodies which consist of several parts some are composed of parts distinct and separate as a navy or army royal others of contiguous parts as a house or a ship and others of parts united at the first conception equally partaking of life and motion and growing together as are the bodies of all living creatures thus where people wed for pure affection that marriage may be said to resemble those bodies whose parts are solidly fixed together they who marry for the sake of great portions or else desirous of offspring are like to bodies whose parts are contiguous and cleave close to one another and they who only bed together if there be any such resemble bodies whose parts are distinct without dependency now as physicians say that liquids are the only bodies which most easily intermix without any difference of property or respect one with another so should it be said of people joined together in matrimony that there is a perfect mixture of bodies and estates of friends and relations therefore the roman law prohibits new-married people from giving and receiving mutual presents one from another not that they should not participate one with another but to show that they were not to enjoy anything but what they possess in common thirty five in leptis a city of libya it was an ancient custom for the bride the next day after the nuptial solemnity to send home to the mother of the bridegroom to borrow a boiler which she not only refused to lend but sent back word that she had none to spare 
to the end that the new married woman having by that means tried the disposition of her mother-in-law if afterwards she found her humour peevish and perverse might with more patience brook her unkindness as being no more than what she expected rather it becomes the daughter to avoid all occasions of distaste for it is natural to some mothers to be jealous that the wife deprives her of that filial tenderness which she expects from her son for which there is no better cure than for a wife so to contrive with gaining of her husband's love as not to lessen or withdraw his affection from his mother thirty six it is generally observed that mothers are fondest of their sons as expecting from them their future assistance when they grow into years and that fathers are kindest to their daughters as standing most in need of their paternal succour and perhaps out of that mutual respect which the man and his wife bear one to another either of them would seem to carry greater affection for that which is proper and familiar to the other but this pleasing controversy is easily reconciled for it becomes a woman to show the choicest of her respects and to be more complacent to the kindred of her husband than to her own to make her complaints to them and conceal her discontents from her own relations for the trust which she reposes in them causes them to confide in her and her esteem of them increases their respects to her thirty seven the commanders of the grecian auxiliaries that marched in aid of cyrus gave these instructions to their soldiers that if their enemies advance whooping and hallowing to the combat they should receive the charge observing an exact silence but on the other hand if they came on silently then to rend the air with their martial shouts thus prudent wives when their husbands in the heat of their passion rant and tear the house down should make no returns but quietly hold their peace but if they only frown out their discontents and moody anger then with soft language and gently reasoning the case they may endeavour to appease and qualify their fury thirty eight rightly therefore are they reprehended by euripides who introduced the harp and other instruments of music at their compotations for music ought rather to be made use of for the mitigation of wrath and to allay the sorrows of mourning not to heighten the voluptuousness of those that are already drowned in jollity and delight believe yourselves then to be in an error that sleep together for pleasure but when angry and at variance make two beds and that never at that time call to your assistance the goddess of venus who better than any other knows how to apply a proper remedy to such distempers as homer teaches us where he brings in juno using this expression your deadly feuds will i myself appease and the amorous bed shall be the charming place where all your strife shall embracing cease thirty nine though it becomes a man and his wife at all times to avoid all occasions of quarrelling one with another yet is there no time so unseasonable for contention as when they are between the same sheets as the woman in difficult labour said to those that were about to lay her upon her bed how said she can this bed cure these pains since it was in this very bed that my pleasures were the cause of all my throes and still less will those reproaches 
and contests which the bed produces be reconciled at any other time or place. 40. Hermione seems to be in the right, speaking to this effect in one of the tragedies of Euripides. The lewd discourse of women void of shame, ruined my honor and my virtuous name. However, these mischiefs rarely happen, but where women at variance and jealous of their husbands open not only their door, but their ears to hold swarms of twattling gossips that widen the difference. For then it behooves a prudent woman to shut her ears and beware of listening to such enchanting tattlers, calling to mind the answers of Philip when he was exasperated by his friends against the Greeks for cursing and reviling him, notwithstanding all the benefits they had received at his hands. What would they have done, said he, had we used them with unkindness and severity? The same should be the reply of a prudent woman to those she devils, when they shall bewail her condition and cry, a woman so loving, so chaste and modest, and yet abused by her husband. For then should she make answer, what would he do should I begin to hate him and do him wrong? 41. A certain master, whose slave had been run away from him for several months together, after a long search at length found him suddenly in a workhouse, and said, Where could I have desired to meet with thee more to my wish than in such a place as this? Thus, when a woman is grown jealous of her husband, and meditates nothing but present divorce, before she be hasty, let her reason with herself in this manner. In what condition would my rival choose to see me with greater satisfaction than as I am? All in a fret and fume, enraged against my husband, and ready to abandon both my house and marriage bed together. 42. The Athenians yearly solemnized three sacred seed-times. The first is Scirus, in memory of the first invention by their ancestors of ploughing and sowing. The second at a place called Raria. And the third under Pellas, which they called Buxugion, in commemoration of the first spanning of oxen to the plough. But more sacred than all these is the nuptial ploughing and sowing, in order to the procreation of children. And therefore Sophocles rightly calls Venus the fruitful Cytherea for which reason it highly imports both the man and the woman, when bound together by the holy tie of wedlock, to abstain from all unlawful and forbidden copulation, and from ploughing and sowing where they never desire to reap any fruit. Of their labor, or if the harvest come to perfection, they conceal and are ashamed to own it. 43. The orator Gorgias, in a full assembly of the Grecians, resorting from all parts to the Olympic Games, making an oration to the people, wherein he exhorted them to live in peace, unity, and concord among one another. Melanthus cried out aloud, This man pretends to give us advice, and preaches here in public nothing but love and union, who in his own private family is not able to keep his wife, and his maid from being continually together by the ears. Yet there are only they three in the house. For it seems that Gorgias had a kindness for his servant, which made her mistress jealous. And therefore it behooves that man to have his family in exquisite order who will undertake to regulate 
the failing of his friends, or the public miscarriages, especially since the misbehavior of men toward their wives, is far sooner divulged among the people than the transgressions of the woman against the husbands. 44. It is reported that the scent of sweet perfumes will make a cat grow mad. Now supposing those strong perfumes, which are used by many men, should prove offensive to their wives, would it not be a great piece of unnatural kindness to discompose a woman with continual fits rather than deny himself a pleasure so trivial? But when it is not their husbands perfuming themselves, but their lascivious wandering after lewd and extravagant women that disturbs and disorders their wives, it is a great piece of injustice for the tickling pleasure of a few minutes to afflict and disquiet a virtuous woman. For since they who are conversant with bees will often abstain from women to prevent the persecution of those little but implacable enemies of unclean dalliance, much rather ought a man to be pure from the pollutions of harlotry when he approaches his chaste and lawful wife. 45. They whose business it is to manage elephants never put on white frocks, nor dare they that govern wild bulls appear in red, those creatures being scared and exasperated by those colors. And some report that tigers, when they hear a drum beat afar off, grow mad and exercise their savage fury upon themselves. If then there are some men that are offended at the gay and sumptuous habit of their wives, and others that brook as ill their gadding to plays and balls, what reason is there that women should not refrain those vanities, rather than perplex and discontent their husbands, with whom it becomes their modesty to live with patience and sobriety? 46. What said a woman to King Philip that pulled and hauled her to him by violence against her will? Let me go, she said, for when the candles are out all women are alike. This is aptly applied to men addicted to adultery and lust. But a virtuous wife, when the candle is taken away, ought then chiefly to differ from all other women. For when her body is not to be seen, her chastity, her modesty, and her peculiar affection to her husband ought then to shine with their brightest luster. 47. Plato admonishes old men to carry themselves with most gravity in the presence of young people. To the end, the awe of their example may imprint in youth the greater respect and reverence of age. For the loose and vain behavior of men stricken in years breeds a contempt of gray hairs, and never can expect veneration from juvenility, which sober admonition should instruct the husband to bear a greater respect to his wife than to all other women in the world, seeing that the nuptial chamber must be to her either the school of honor and chastity, or that of inconstancy and wantonness. For he that allows himself those pleasures that he forbids his wife, acts like a man that would enjoin his wife to oppose those enemies to which he has himself already surrendered. 48. As to what remains, in reference to superfluity of habit and decent household furniture, remember, dear Eurydice, what Timazinus has written to Aristilla, 
And do you, Polianus, never believe that women will be weaned from those toys and curiosities wherein they take a kind of pride, and which serve for an alleviation of their domestic solitude, while you yourself admire the same things in other women, and are taken with the gaiety of golden beakers, magnificent pictures for your houses, and rich trappings for your mules and horses. For it were a strange moroseness to debar a woman those ornamental vanities, which naturally her sex admire, nor will it easily be endured without regret, where she sees the man much more indulgent to his own humour. Since then thou art arrived at those years, which are proper for the study of such sciences as are attained by reason and demonstration, endeavour to complete this knowledge by conversing with persons that may be serviceable to thee in such a generous design. And as for thy wife, like the industrious bee, gather everywhere from the fragrant flowers of good instruction, replenish thyself with whatever may be of advantage to her, and impart the same to her again in loving and familiar discourse, both for thy own and her improvement. For father thou and mother art to her, she now is thine, and not the parent's care. Nor is it less to thy commendation to hear what she returns. And you, my honoured husband, are my guide, and tutor in philosophy beside, from whose instructions I at once improve the fruits of knowledge and the sweets of love. For such studies as these fix the contemplations of women upon what is laudable and serious, and prevent their wasting time upon impertinent and pernicious vanity for that lady that is studious in geometry will never affect the dissolute motions of dancing and she that is taken with the sublime notions of plato and xenophon will look with disdain upon the charms and enchantments of witches and sorcerers and if any ridiculous astrologer promises to pull the moon down from the sky she will laugh at the ignorance and folly of women who believe in him, being herself well grounded in astronomy, and having heard about Agonisi, the daughter of Hegator, a Thessalian lord, who, understanding the reason of the eclipses of the moon, and knowing beforehand the time of her being obscured by the shadow of the earth, made the credulous women believe that it was she who at those times unhinged the moon and removed her from the sky. True it is that never any woman brought forth a perfect child without the assistance and society of man, but there are many whose imaginations are so strongly wrought upon by the sight or bare relation of monstrous spectacles that they bring into the world several sorts of immature and shapeless productions. Thus, unless great care be taken by men to manure and cultivate the inclinations of their wives, with wholesome and virtuous precepts, they often breed among themselves the false conceptions of extravagant and loose desires. But do thou, Eurydice, make it thy business to be familiar with the learned proverbs of wise and learned men, and always to embellish thy discourse with their profitable sentences. To the end thou mayest be the admiration of other women, that shall behold thee so richly adorned without the expense or assistance of jewels and embroideries. For pearls and diamonds are not the purchase of an ordinary purse, 
but the ornaments of theano cleobulini gorgo the wife of king leonidas timoclea the sister of theagenes the ancient roman claudia or cornelia the daughter of scipio already so celebrated and renowned for their virtues will cost but little yet nothing will set thee out more glorious or illustrious to the world or render thy life more comfortable and happy for as sappho only because she could compose an elegant verse had the confidence to write to a haughty and wealthy dame in her time dead thou shalt lie forgotten in thy tomb since not for thee pyarian roses bloom why may it not be much more lawful for thee to boast those great perfections that give thee a greater privilege not only to gather the flowers but to reap the fruits themselves which the muses bestow upon the lovers and real owners of learning and philosophy end of section thirty eight end of the morals volume two by plutarch translated by several hands corrected and revised by william w goodwin